Wake up, hockey fans. It is Wednesday, January 3rd. We had 13 NHL games last night. A lot to talk about, including Connor McDavid's record-setting night, Sidney Crosby's record-setting night, Alexander Ovechkin's record-setting night. So much to talk about. So many different games across the board. This is Morning Cup of Hockey. I'm Johnny Lazarus. That's Kobe Cohen. Kobe, what do you got for us this morning? Bring us some energy. Johnny, I'm not in the best mood this morning, and I'm going to tell you why. It's your fault. Secret, secret. It is because you told me yesterday that uh, I shouldn't eat until one o'clock every day. You told me that I should get up, have coffee and water, and I should not eat until one o'clock because that's what the cool kids are doing. Um, So this morning I got up about, you know, 630, as I usually do. My daughter's an early riser and I've only had coffee and water and I'm not even a huge coffee drinker. So I'm hungry. And when anyone's hungry, they're not in a good mood. So uh, be ready for me today because it's your fault. And this is what I get for listening to you. Guy intermittent fast for one day. Been doing it for two years. It's just your body has to get used to it. You know, like, and trust me, you'll feel better once you get going. I've been doing it since like 2021. I drink coffee and water until one o'clock. Then I have my lunch. Then dinner is whatever. And uh, it's a new year. So try new things, you know, be a little open-minded. I'm an immediate gratification guy, so mm. we'll see how long this lasts. And uh, I, I have another confession to make too, Johnny. I know I told you last night I was going to bed pretty early. Um, it's really because I just didn't want you to bother me all night. I just wanted mm. to watch hockey in peace. Uh, so I did. I did get to watch the entire Oiler game last night uh, against the, the the hometown Philadelphia Flyers. So um, I'm glad I stayed up late because there was some some good hockey going on throughout the league last night. Uh, I'm glad you weren't bothering me. I mean, yesterday you were you were flying yesterday. Yeah, you were excited. I, I mean, yeah. I would have thought you lost your virginity. That's how excited <laughs> you were yesterday. The way you were you were buzzing. You must have called me six times uh, throughout the day to 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 talk about the show and to, to talk about hockey. So I'm glad you're excited, buddy. And and you know, I'm glad we're gonna have plenty to talk about today with such a big slate of NHL games. All right, well, you just said it. You watched the Oilers game in its entirety last night. What did you make of Connor McDavid's five-point night? Pretty casual. Pretty casual, to be honest. I mean, this is just Connor McDavid. He is, you know, by far and above the best player in the world. And I think he's probably one day going to hold the GOAT title. I mean, he certainly has a lot of Stanley Cups to win uh, if, he, if he really wants that, you know, that debate, it's almost like the Michael Jordan against LeBron maybe type of debate where you've got Michael Jordan who won all those trophies, but people, you know, say LeBron might be a better athlete and a better player. And, and, you know, when you watch Connor McDavid go out in an NHL game uh, and lead his team to a five to two victory and figure in on all five points, it's, it's really, you know, he, he's doing things in the modern NHL that we, we really have never seen offensively. I mean, this almost looks like, we're back in the seventies and eighties where, you know, guys are able to skate down the ice and and take a slapper that stays right along the ice and finds the back of the net. So I think when he gets on these streaks where he just, you know, is feeling it, um, you know, he's up to third in the NHL and scoring his team is clawing its way back into a wild card spot. Um, and, it, it's just fascinating. Like he's worth staying up late to watch. I think they, they started a little bit earlier Edmonton time last night. I think they came on nine Eastern, um, which was a gift. I, I love when this guy plays before 10 30 at night on the East coast. Um, 
I know it it probably hurts one of our DFO teammates, Tyler Uremchuk. He he has to start, you know, throwing those beers back a little bit earlier in the day uh, when the Oilers play early on like that because of the emotional roller coaster he always rides. But man, Johnny McDavid is just. I mean, it's like a video game. Mm-hmm. And he joined some elite company last night. Our friend Frank Saravalli tweeted it. McDavid is the fifth fastest player to reach 900 points in NHL history. One being Wayne Gretzky at 385 games played, which is a joke. Two, Mario Lemieux, 463 games played. Three, Mike Bossy, 582 games played. And four, Peter Stastny, 589 games played. So, David joined some pretty elite company. And I I mean, I made a joke and I'm not actually going to ask you because it's a stupid question, but like, I feel like McDavid could still be producing at this rate, not, not 900 points, but maybe like, you know, a little bit less than a point a game, maybe half a point a game if he was playing righty in the NHL. Like, that's how good this guy is. I mean, his skating is so elite. And there's people now like, you know, I have friends who don't really watch hockey fully or, or don't pay too close of attention to the game. And they ask me like, if Bedard's going to be as good as McDavid. And, and I don't want to like, you know, say Bedard can't be that good one day. But what this guy does is just an absolute joke. And I think there's no player like him. We might not see another player ever like him. And, uh, you know, Kobe, you just alluded to it before. His skill is like, you know, if if I were playing Division One currently and also playing, you know, Division Three at Chelsea Pier on a Thursday night, like that's how I'd be looking out there, I feel like. You know, it's just another world. I wouldn't give yourself that much credit. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a weird brag on my end, I guess. But, uh, you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... I think we're all just being treated to it. I'm glad national TV has him on in the States more. I think that's been something that they've wrestled with over the last couple of years, how to get this guy, you know, on TNT on ESPN more often. I know he plays on hockey night in Canada quite often. Um, but it's, that's why you stay up late to watch him. I mean, he he's, he's one of those players in the NHL that makes you get out of your seat. He's a guy that, a casual hockey fan will buy a ticket because, oh, he's in town playing so-and-so. So uh, congratulations to him. Obviously, he's on his way to doing some pretty incredible things uh, in this league. But at the end of the day, obviously, all the individual points are are impressive. But I think the next step for, for Connor McDavid is leading his team in, into a deep playoff run and, and pushing to get those first Stanley Cups because I think that's always going to be – uh, something that, you know, hangs around and that's always going to be part of the conversation is, um, you know, is he going to win Stanley Cups? Is he going to be able to pack in, you know, the team hardware that Wayne Gretzky was able to pack in? Because, look, I agree with you. There's all these elite players in the NHL, whether it be Crosby, Ovechkin, um, you know, they've kind of carried the mail for for a long time. But uh, those guys have have won some Stanley Cups. They have. And while I'd argue individually, there's nobody like McDavid. There probably never has been anyone like McDavid. I hope eventually there is someone else like him, um, you know, in the next generations. But it, it's uh, it, it remains to be seen if, if he's going to lift, lift that trophy in June, which is what I think every hockey player is aspiring to do. I completely agree, and he also said it in his post-game interview last night. First of all, he actually looked like he was having a little bit of fun talking into the microphone. He said, uh, "Yeah, it's a pretty big number." Um, yeah, so that's even right. he was, you know, that was pretty good. And then he said, "Hopefully a lot more, and hopefully a lot more in an Edmonton jersey." And he only has two years left on his deal. 
And this could be the start of what John Tavares was doing on Long Island before Islander fans got a little pissed at him. Oh, no. He kept saying, hopefully I'll be back on Long Island. Hopefully I'll be staying Long Island. And then sure as shit, the pajama picture comes out on July 1st. And uh, he's in Toronto now. So maybe... You better, you better be I'm careful not what you happen, say. I'm, yeah, I, no. I got to tell you something. I've gone on the Oiler Nation show a couple of times and and suggested they look at trading Leon Dreisaitl. And mm-hmm. I was going to get blacklisted from... Uh, ever going back on that show. I don't think that the fans on the YouTube channel were were real happy hearing me say something like that. So you hinting that McDavid won't be an oiler for life, that that might that might make you enemy number one out in Edmonton. So obviously we have a great following at the Daily Faceoff uh, from Edmonton, headquarters in Edmonton. So, you know, they they started in Edmonton and and I think they get a lot of they got a lot of followers to the to the nation network through, you know, that are that are there in Edmonton. So uh, we'll have to see what the response to those comments are, Johnny, because I, I just don't think uh, you're going to be well received out in Western Canada for for suggesting there's even two years left on his contract. I don't even think you're allowed to say that out loud. Well, first of all, I didn't suggest shit. I was just pointing Johnny, out. You did that. just own it. No, no, no. Right? I was just pointing uh, something out that Connor McDavid said. Here comes because that's exactly what Tavares was doing toward the end of his deal and or the end of his tenure in, in New York. Like he was alluding to staying. And I'm just saying to McDavid, be careful what you say because here comes the backpedal. I'm, I'm not backpedaling. You have no spine. You said he had <laughs> two years left on his deal and he was going to And he's start saying, hopefully, elsewhere. there's more in an Edmonton jersey. So, like, sign the deal then. Extend I know like, that you have a fantasy of him playing for the New York Rangers, but it's never going to happen. He's too young. For the Rangers, it's never going to happen. <laughs> He's too young. Rangers don't like young players. All right, now that you've pissed off all of Oilers yeah. Nation, and it's not even ten after nine o'clock, there was some other drama in the NHL last night, Johnny. And I'm curious to see if we're we're pulling the same way on this one. But uh, J- Jason Zucker, Zucker, I guess I I, mm-hmm. I should you know correct myself on that. Uh, created some fireworks in the game against Florida last night. Um, Nick Cousins uh, took a run at Yuso Valamaki, uh, which I thought was an incredibly dirty hit by Nick Cousins. Um, mm. You know, goes after a player who's down on his knees along the boards, almost looks like he, you know, raises his legs up um, and, and or, or his elbow right to the head of Valamaki. I mean, this was a dirty, dirty hit. Um, and, and this started a little bit of a, of a ruckus, we'll call it in in that game, you know, Zucker then took it upon himself to come in and absolutely crush cousins from behind. I mean, head first elbow to the, I mean, just about everything you could do wrong in a hit. So let's just start with your reaction to this play and, uh, who, who was more in the wrong? I mean, I guess two wrongs don't make a right, but. Yeah, I mean, you just said two wrongs don't make a right, and uh, I, I will make a dad joke. Two rights make an airplane, though. Forget that one. Uh, <laughs> that's like so cringe that I said that out loud. Um, do you even get that joke? Keep going, bud. Okay, I will. Sorry. Can we cut that? We're live. We can't. Um, okay, so when I initially saw it, obviously I thought Cousins, you know, he's been in the mix a lot lately. I remember that hit on Gabranson a couple weeks ago in Columbus, and, you know, Nick Cousins is not one to shy away from stirring the shit. So... Yeah, obviously he goes to Valamaki, and that's somewhat of a cheaper play. But for Zucker to do what he did, uh, you know, I thought that totally just diminishes what Cousins did. Um, did Cousins 
absolutely crush Val Mackey? No. Did he know what he was doing? Was he being a rat? Yes. But for Zucker to just totally clothesline him from behind face first into the boards and Zucker's not a dirty player. Like that was a, a huge surprise seeing that it was him. Um, you know, I think if it were me, I try to cancel both players out a little bit. So I'd give cousins like maybe one or two games, but I think Zucker should get like six minimum. I mean, you just, you can't have that happen in the NHL. And, um, you know, it's obviously a hit that everyone is trying to get away from in all of hockey, not just the national hockey league. And for Zucker to be an older guy and to, you know, not set an example like that, but to have just a lapse in judgment like that, um, it can't really happen. So I think Zucker has to have some sort of punishment, but I don't think cousins should get away scot-free like cousins didn't even get a penalty on the play. So I think that's also what pisses some players off too. Um, and, and why Zucker reacted the way he did probably because Zucker or uh, excuse me, cousins wasn't receiving anything. So for me, I think both guys are in the wrong. Like you said, Colby, um, despite my terrible joke. And uh, yeah, I think Zucker deserves a little bit of the punishment here, maybe a little bit more than cousins, but cousins by no means is uh, getting away scot-free. So do you think if Cousins gets called for the original penalty, do you think maybe yeah. there is a I, I don't think Zucker reacts the way he does. of a reaction? Because Zucker didn't do it right away. Like, he, he took three or four seconds to get over to Cousins to do that. And he probably took a little glance. I mean, I have to see the replay again. I would assume he took a glance at the stripes and see if his arm was up. Um, but I imagine if there's a penalty being called in that play, Zucker maybe, like, bear hugs him or wraps him up as opposed to just hitting him completely from behind. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I'm going to say two things can be true at the same time because I hated the play that Cousins made there, and mm -hmm. I think he deserved to have somebody come after him. I like that, I, though. Well, that's why I'm saying yeah. I think two things can be true at the same time. I think he deserved it. He probably didn't deserve that. Um, but look, I, I it's a reaction to a bad hit, and the officiating, uh, they don't put their arm up, and I think that – probably adds to the angst and and you know the other thing johnny slow-mo replays don't tell the true story of a hit in hockey the game is happening way faster uh so to break things down frame by frame they do not ever tell the full story you know of a big hit in the nhl i think it's part of the evidence that needs to be used, but I do not feel like it can be the only tool that is used when, when looking at these types of plays. Um, I, I'm going to go ahead and, and make a prediction that I, I think Zucker will get, I don't know, four games um, mm. because he, he's not a dirty player. I don't think he has a rap sheet. Um, got six for what he did. Right. But Perron, he's the same, same kind of reputation though. Not a dirty true. player. That is true. Same kind of reputation. Um, I, I think four games for, for Zucker. I think the premedit the problem is, is I think Paros is going to look at this and say this was premeditated mm -hmm. because it was like retribution, which I think always adds to, which is, I think, part of what why Perron got the six games. But I do think Cousins should get a game for what he did. I think yeah. when you see a player on their knees and you go at them, like I have a huge problem with that. I really do. I mean, I, I I'm gonna say I I didn't like that as much as I didn't like um, the 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 reaction. I really didn't. Um, I think Cousins does play like a rat. I think that he he knew exactly what he was doing there. It was a little bit of an out of control play, and then you know Zucker comes in and 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 finishes things off. So uh, you don't like to see that in hockey. Um, but again, players sort of police themselves, which I never have a big problem with. I think 
that actually in a way keeps the game safer. This probably isn't the best example of it, but mm -hmm. I do think there is a self-policing factor that is why fighting has not been taken out of the game, which I'm all for. Um, you know, what happened to the old, you see a guy do something, you get his number, and then two or three shifts later, you wait till he comes across the middle and you try to light him up, you know, Jacob Truba style. Um, well, that's what Gabranson did to Cousins anymore. a couple weeks ago. Gabranson yeah. waited to get, get his shot at Cousins and he took it and he assaulted the guy pretty much. But that's also, again, a lot of it too. And, and listen, this game happens fast. Maybe the refs didn't see Cousins' initial hit on Balamaki, but the refs also have to do their job to control the game. Whereas in that game in Columbus, when Cousins hits Gabranson from behind and they have a five-minute major originally and they go up to Toronto and Toronto says, no, nah, it's a two, and they keep Cousins in the game, you're just asking for somebody to go after him, right? So I think that's an issue as well where like you have to set up the players to protect themselves also right if the if the refs aren't going to do it the players are going to do it themselves and in this case again it's a wires cross moment it's a lapse of judgment on zucker but uh, to your point something had to be done yeah i mean look and and i'll just say this i i kind of like a lot of the dirty stuff i really do um, i love nick cousins to be honest i i, I like i like the physicality i like when the game gets a little bit out of hand at times and there might be a cheap shot or two. Like, I don't have a problem with any of that. I think that's what makes hockey more exciting than other sports. Um, yeah. If everyone me, was well behaved, this game would suck. If, if, if for me, you just don't want to see anybody get injured. That's mm -hmm. really all it is. So if guys are able to walk away without being injured, I, I don't, I don't, I don't have as big a problem with it as everybody else. Everybody's ready to throw this guy in jail or, I mean, I, I just, you know, it's it's part of the game. It's what makes our game great. There's a gray area that a lot of players play in, and it keeps people guessing. It keeps people on the edge of their seats. It makes fans angry. It makes them emotional. Look at us. We're spending 10 minutes talking about it yeah. the next morning. Um, so we'll we'll have to see what happens uh, with player, you know, the, the Department of Player Safety. Here's what I know to be true. Regardless of what happens, nobody will be happy. Nobody will agree with it. Uh, everybody will want to appeal it. I mean, it, that that we know is true. Yeah, I completely agree. And just to uh, get into a little bit of unhappiness, I was pretty unhappy last night with the way my bets went, and you let me know about it right away. Uh, and I was really hoping, because I know you went to bed a little bit earlier last night, and the Capitals had a 4 nothing lead over Pittsburgh, and you literally tweeted this. An hour ago, Johnny told me how bad Washington was and how good the Pens were. Can't wait to roast him tomorrow morning during Morning Cup of Hockey on the Daily Faceoff YouTube channel at 9 a.m. Hashtag Fade Laz. And the Penguins then came back and made it a 4-3 game, and it looked like they were about to tie that game late in the third. They were totally dominant over Washington, and I was praying to God that they found a way to tie that game and win so I can quote-tweet that and just absolutely shit on you. But to your point, I did deserve to be roasted for that initial start by Pittsburgh. It was terrible. 4-0 in the first period is pathetic. There's no excuses. But what did you make of that Crosby versus Ovechkin matchup? Because – we're now winding down on that rivalry, and it's great that those two players have created a rivalry. They both set milestones last night. Sidney Crosby became the 12th all-time in points, passing Joe Thornton at 1540 or 1,540. Let me just read that correctly. And then Ovechkin scored his 830th goal. So uh, a lot of things to be happy about individually for those two, and uh, the Penguins-Capitals rivalry is alive and well. It really is, and, and you know, I think, I think Ovi recently said in the last like month that mm -hmm. him and Crosby basically saved the league coming out of the lockout. I agree. Back to back years, first round pit or first overall picks and, you know, playing in the East, seeing each other all the time. 
They've spent a lot of, you know, they spent their whole careers in the same division. And it's just created this great rivalry where, you know, Sid's had the upper hand mostly in the playoffs. You know, the one year Ovi finally gets over the hump, they go on to win the cup. Uh, they've had a lot of great moments. And I think what's what's been so great about it is the fact that when one scores, the other answers the bell. I mean, there have been games where they've both been trending towards a hat trick against each other. They had um, one. They had one. That was the best. That was the best hockey game I've ever watched when they both scored a hat trick in the playoffs. And I think what's great about this rivalry is for the first, let's say, 10 years of it, they hated each other. These guys did not like each other. It seems like in the last number of years, they've kind of got this mutual respect and sort of liking for one another as they've they've gotten into the back nine of their career. Well, once, once Ovi got his cup, he had no reason to hate Crosby anymore. Yeah. yeah. But like they did that commercial. <laughs> if you remember back in the day, they had that commercial where room like service. the room service commercial yeah. where, yeah. you know, Ovechkin ordered a bunch of room service to cry. Like those were funny commercials. It was good to see those guys do that together. And this rivalry has, has been a huge part uh, of the NHL and these guys just continue, Johnny, to score goals. Uh, you know, Ovi, <coughs> excuse me, on the power play in his spot. You know, Sid going back door and, and you know, keeping pucks alive with his body and banging them out of the air. I mean, these guys are just incredible. And, you know, I, I still think Ovi is going to pass Gretzky. I think he's going to keep scoring. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's so far away that even if he has a couple of 20-goal seasons, I think he's fine. He'll get enough empty netters for the next couple of years if he needs to. But, um, you know, these guys have been great. They really have. I, I, I've been, you know, treated to this, uh, you know, for a long time. Uh, got to be in and around the league for part of it, uh, which was obviously really cool being in the Eastern Division. And, you know, I, I don't know if Celebrini goes one overall to someone uh, maybe we'll see a Bedard Celebrini rivalry like this for a number of years. I, guys are, they're just too friendly. Now. It's never going to happen. Yeah. I was just going to say the same thing. Like you're never going to see that initial hatred. And I don't know why it is different in today's game. Maybe it's like, you know, the social media aspect or just, I guess, you know, Crosby and Ovechkin probably didn't have much of a relationship prior because they played each other internationally where, you know, Bedard and Celebrini both come, come from hockey Canada. So I imagine they're buddies already. Um, but like, that's the point I was going to make too. I feel like there was a hot second where, you know, a decade ago, it was McDavid Eichel. I feel like there was a minute where those two guys were getting compared to one another. And then McDavid was just so far ahead of, of Eichel, um, you know, pretty quickly that it didn't really become a rivalry. And, you know, it was uh, West versus East. Like, Crosby and Ovechkin were in the same division. Like, that helped so much, too. And, yeah. you know, I, I hate to do this to myself, but I think there was somewhat of a hope for, like, Jack Hughes and Kako in that draft that they'd go at it for, you know, decades and that's just not the case. It's going to be very hard to replicate ever again what the Crosby-Ovechkin rivalry created because, you know, I know there was some history maybe in the 90s with the Penguins and the Capitals, but, you know, these two literally, not only did they save the NHL, but they created their own rivalry. They played each other in the playoffs so many times. And like you said, they, they went at it head-to-head. -head. They scored goals. They had uh, hat tricks. They, you know, they did everything step-by-step -step together, like milestones. Everything was just at the same level where I don't know if we'll ever see, like Matthews and, and McDavid, like, I, I don't, maybe that's the, the next it thing. Doesn't feel, it doesn't feel anything like that. And it I doesn't. think one thing you're, you're discounting and you haven't mentioned, Canada versus Russia. I mean, yeah. there's, a, there's always been a lot of bad blood between Canadian and Russian hockey players. So these guys are a little more old school, and I think they, they wear that, you know, on their sleeve, or at least they did early on yeah. in their career. 
Well, we talked about that yesterday, the international play. You think because we've been missing that for the last decade plus that yeah. there's less of a rivalry in today's 100%. game? 100%. It is. And and again, everybody now, Hockey Canada, you come up together, you're on Twitter together, you're DMing people. I mean, you know, I know you're king of the DMs sliding into everybody's DMs. So, yeah. you know, these guys just become friends and then it's hard to hate these people um, that you're, you know, friendly with. So, uh, I, I I agree with you. I don't think we'll ever see it again, uh, but it's certainly been a treat to watch. And while we're talking about Canada, let's go into the best Canadian team right now in the NHL, and that's the Vancouver Canucks, who are an absolute wagon. They come out last night and score five goals in the first period against the Ottawa Senators, who continued and continue to be a dumpster fire. But you look at the Canucks, they're just absolutely loaded up front. Elias Pettersson, JT Miller, Quinn Hughes having a phenomenal year. I still don't think they're getting the respect that they deserve around the league. Maybe people just aren't up late enough watching them every night. I was just going to say it's because they play at 1030 yeah. Eastern. I, I am, again, a night owl. Uh, so I, I love watching the Canucks play pretty much every night. And, um, you know, I think more people, if you do love hockey, should tune in because what they're doing on a night to night basis is so much fun to watch. I mean, they're just incredibly explosive offensively, the way they skate, the skill they have. Um, they're doing it all. And they're also getting. I mean, I look at this number right now, though, what sets them apart. Their goal differential is plus 46, which is insane. The next best team is the LA Kings at plus 33. And then, you know, the list goes kind of down a little bit. Everyone's mostly in the plus 20s. But what do you make of Vancouver so far? Do you think they actually have a legit shot to contend? I mean, I'm one of the people that probably haven't given them the respect that they deserve all season, Johnny. I, I really you're not up. Um, you're right you're right but i catch them when they're on the east coast um and you know what i would say is is they've got thatcher demko and net i mean Mm -hmm. you just rifled off a couple of you know of their skilled players and a couple of their their talented superstars and you forgot to add demko because you know we had frank saravalli on here yesterday uh we know the struggles edmonton and toronto have had in goal this year well it's very different in Vancouver, you've got a goaltender out there who can erase mistakes left and right, um, you know, on a consistent basis. And then their number two is Casey DeSmith, who, who's been a starter in the NHL and had a lot of really good stretches and a lot of good moments. So I think it starts back there. It doesn't hurt when when Besser's, you know, scoring goals. I didn't mention Besser, yeah. You know, a 50-goal score rate. And then you've got Elias Pettersson and, you know, Quinn Hughes has just been so dominant with the puck. He's really just raised his level and raised the entire D-course level um, out there in Vancouver. Rick Talk, it's probably, you know, right there with John Tortorella as your two front runners for coach of the year right now uh, for what they're doing with their respective programs. Um, but you can tell a team is playing good hockey and feeling good about themselves when, you know, you start to see creativity, Michigan plays, uh, I Michigan guess this plays. One would be called the dish again when, when Hoglander just tries to kind of alley-oop it in front of the net, maybe a little bit of a hope play. Uh, finally, we see a team that, that knows how to defend it and, or at least tries to defend it, which is kind of, um, ironic because, you know, Ottawa hasn't really been able to defend much this yeah. year, even with Jacques Martin behind the bench. So, I, I think we're going to have to really start giving the Canucks the credit that they deserve, myself included. But again, for me, it all starts in goal with Thatcher Demko. It really does. He's just unbelievably talented. Our producer Vic and I were talking last night about that Hoaglander play, and uh, we actually thought it should have been a penalty shot. 
because uh, it looked like Bernard Docker closed his hand on the puck in the crease. I don't know um, if you thought so as well, but I, I don't know if that was like a creativity player, no. just total I, I disrespect. Totally disagree. I totally disagree with you on that. But about the penalty shot? Yeah, that shouldn't be a penalty shot as a defenseman. You're you're getting the puck out of no. But the closing your hand on the puck rule? I mean, did did he really close his hand on the puck? You're really going to make that argument? I mean, I guess in that game, the game is so far over anyway, it doesn't really matter. Um, but yeah, that was a, a really fun game to watch. Um, our our producer is saying you're wrong, Kobe. So it's two against one. Uh, yeah, but you, I'm Vic. older than both of you, so I get one and a half votes. Thank you for getting my back, Vic. But let's talk about some of the other games in the league last night. The Boston Bruins went into Columbus and beat the Blue Jackets by the score of four to one. I don't think anyone's surprised by that result. Uh, I'm going to skip how, over what, what, how about James Van Riemsdyk? I mean, we, we can't, we can't just breeze over the Bruins without just throwing him a little bit of love right now. Three point night. This is a guy who signed for $1 million. He's got 25 points in 33 games. He's like a plus eight or a plus nine. He's played on the power play. He's played everywhere from the first to the fourth line. Um, you know, Don Sweeney made a couple of under the radar signings like him and Kevin Shattenkirk, who, who's been producing as well, had a goal last night, had a couple goals uh, the game before. So a couple of guys who are who are on one million dollar contracts really kind of helping the Bruins out a couple of veterans. Good point. Good point. Columbus, though, just can't figure it out. Right. No matter what they do, uh, they competed a little bit early on in that game. Then it kind of just fell apart for them. Um, next up, are you going to make me say it? Go ahead. Rangers lay an absolute egg and lose six to one at home against the Carolina Hurricanes. I said it a million times last night, arguing with Ranger fans on Twitter that don't even have a profile picture and have a first name with 10 numbers following it. Uh, it was just doomed from the start. Lafreniere takes a bad penalty in the beginning in the first 30 seconds of the game. Uh, incidental contact, called interference. Carolina scores in the power play. They score in their next power play and just run away with that game. Um, I don't know if you had any thoughts on that one. And sorry about the background noise. I don't know if you guys hear it. There's a lot of construction going on in my Brooklyn neighborhood. Uh, so I apologize if there is noise, but do you have any thoughts on that Carolina Ranger game? It's just a, just a pleasuring sight to see because I know how much it pains you. Yeah. I was up till about 1am just tweeting with people all night last night, which was uh very annoying on my end, but I just can't help myself. We'll go to Winnipeg where the jets, <laughs> our producer saying excuses, incidental conduct. Uh, the jets beat the lightning by the score of four to two. Tampa Bay, I think is in trouble. I don't know if they're going to crack the playoffs this year. Uh, and I think that was, you know, somewhat of a conversation when Vasilevsky was announced that he had surgery early on in the season. But now that he's been back, maybe people will believe in them a little bit more. And Kucherov's been playing so well. Stamkos has been playing well. Hedman, you know, all those typical guys that we usually see play well. But again, you know, this team, I don't know. They haven't really been consistent this year. Uh, and they go into Winnipeg last night and lose 4-2 to two against Connor Hellebuck and a very strong Winnipeg Jets team. Colby, any thoughts? Winnipeg's a good team. I mean, I, you know, I watched them play the Bruins right before the break and, and, uh, couldn't have been more impressed with sort of the the thoroughness to their game, and and they're they're a big heavy team team that's probably going to be be really tough in the playoffs. Whoever ends up drawing them in the first round, but um, I'm starting to kind of be with you on Tampa. I'm one of these guys that thinks Tampa is one of the only teams in the league that can flip a switch just because of their experience. Um, plus, they have Vasilevsky, but I, I'm just not. I'm not really seeing it out of Vasilevsky right now. He just doesn't look like that guy that's going to steal games left and right. So uh, I'm with you. I'm, I'm starting to worry a little bit about Tampa Bay, and I'm starting to wonder, like, what is the future of Tampa Bay? Um, I know later in the show we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, some free agents and, you know, Steven Stamkos, but you definitely have to start wondering what the plan is there because they've, they've mortgaged the future 
And, you know, I, I don't think they're ready for a rebuild, but they are going to have to make some changes um, to kind of fill in around their core players because I'm with you. They look a little tired. They they look a little they, they got a, a number of holes and they're getting exposed pretty, pretty consistently right now. Yeah. And just some more games to talk about last night. The Colorado Avalanche beat the New York Islanders in overtime. No surprise there. New Year, same story. Islanders get the overtime loss point. They're 10th of the season, but Colorado continues to stay strong on home ice. They're now 16-4-0 at home. Nathan McKinnon has points in all 20 home games this year. So a great win for the Avalanche, and they continue to score goals at a pretty rapid rate. Yeah, they look like a good team, Colorado. I mean, they've been a little bit inconsistent. One night you get one thing, one night you get another. But boy, when they're going and uh, you've got guys like McCarr and McKinnon and uh, you're getting saves. Um, you know, Colorado's a scary team. Like, I think they're a team that not a lot of people think are are a cup, like our real favorite to win the cup this year. But, you know, they get rolling and they get going downhill a little bit. I mean, between the offensive ability that they have between all those studs and then how physical they play. I mean, McKinnon is like one of the most physical players in the NHL. Uh, Rontanen's is a pretty physical forward. He's a big dude. Um, you know, they've, they've got a good mix on the back end. So they're, they're, they're going to be a tough team the second half. Like I, I think they're going to be right there in the West. I really do, especially with Vegas, not playing all that well lately. So I think for them, it's about what kind of goaltender they're going to get with, with Georgiev, your, your former Ranger that has been hit or miss really since the trade first goal to um, 20 wins though this year, last night, but he has been hit or miss. I mean, he really has. So, um, you know, thanks for backing up my my statement with yeah. with a throw in the face. But uh, uh, well, what, what do you want me to do? Just just nod my head and smile. Uh, I just again, I haven't seen I haven't seen consistent play from him since that yeah. trade. I don't think he was consistent last year. I know he dealt with some injuries, but uh, I think ultimately they're only going as far as he's as his consistency. Yeah, I, I completely agree there. So I won't throw anything back in your face. But I did say before the year starts, even after Vegas's incredible 11 1 0 start to the year, that the West runs through Colorado. I thought the same thing last year. Uh, I'm going to say the same thing again, probably until that core uh, separates, because I think those players, Ranton and McKinnon and McCarr, three of the top 10 players in the NHL. Um, and of course, if Yorgiev is playing consistent, they're definitely scary. And the last game of the night that we'll talk about, uh, a team that a lot of other people think the West runs through, the LA Kings, get shut out by Martin Jones and the Toronto Maple Leafs on the road in L.A. at Crypto.com Arena. Martin Jones' revenge game. William Nylander scores a goal, and the Maple Leafs take it to L.A. Uh, probably not a 3 nothing score game. That probably makes it look a little worse than it was. It was pretty back and forth for the most part, but the Kings just couldn't find a way to score and had no success in power play. Uh, any thoughts on that one? Well, I think that's always going to be the Kings' uh, Achilles heel, you know, because they're, they're such a defensive focused hockey club and you know they're built so strong down the middle you see the way they reload above the puck they really just don't allow teams to get going in the neutral zone and you know so many of these high-flying teams like Toronto like Colorado they generate a lot of offense in the neutral zone we saw it with Vegas last year um you know throughout their run to win the Stanley Cup they just you know these guys get time and space in the neutral zone and they're able to kind of start playing downhill offensively and that's when the goals really start to pile up so um you know that's what it's always going to be about for LA is is they're going to defend well they're going to defend hard but they're going to have to score come playoff time you know you, you're not going to win games one nothing no matter how sound and how structured you are 
uh, players are going to find a way to get through that neutral zone trap that LA plays so well. So I thought that was a big win for Toronto. Huge, a huge win for confidence Toronto. booster for Martin Jones, a little revenge for him out in LA. Uh, he spent a lot of his career out there. Um, now I think uh, it'll be interesting to see if he can continue that play. Um, but but certainly a, a win that that Toronto can build off of. Also an all-time uniform battle. I love those King like Chevrolet whites with the, the chrome buckets. And I love the Maple Leafs black uniforms. I think they're so cool. I think those are the Bieber ones, right? The, the Drew like collab mm -hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, big fan of that uniform matchup. But we're going to take a, a little... You're a Bieber guy, aren't you? Big Bieber. Who's not? I love Justin Bieber. How could you not love Justin Bieber? He's the man. Coolest guy on the planet. There's no argument. Justin Timberlake's cooler than Justin Bieber. <laughs> respectfully disagree but we are going to take a little bit of a break here don't go anywhere it's not going to be too long we're going to talk about free agency and a huge upset at the world juniors when we get back so stay tuned don't go anywhere we'll be back in a couple seconds We're going to go into some free agency chat right now because former NHL player and current radio host Nick Kiprios hinted at William Nylander being close to signing an eight-year, $11.25 million contract extension. Colby, what do you make of that rumor? Would you do it? You know, probably not. Um, just based on the fact that this team has had so many opportunities to to get over the hump, this core of players. And I just don't think this core of players is going to get over the hump, um, whether it's because of goaltending, defense, whatever it may be. Um, I, I just, I think I would use Willie Nylander to um, fill a lot of holes. I really do. Like I would, I would kind of use him to almost like reload around the core, probably get a number of players for, for that number, but in the same breath, and we were talking about this, you know, pre-show is that number eleven and a half million dollars or eleven two five, whatever the rumor out there is, we're all going to kind of have to readjust the value of dollars per you know uh, productivity in the NHL because the salary cap is going to take a pretty nice jump this year. It's going to take another jump next year. Um, you know, hopefully within the next couple of seasons, like we're looking at a hundred million dollar salary cap. So. I think what, what we're used to seeing out of, let's say, a $9 million contract is going to become an $11 million contract. An $11 million player right now is probably a 13 to $15 million player. So you kind of wonder what a guy like Mitch Marner's next contract could look like. So I'm probably not giving an eight-year, $11.5 million deal to Nylander. Like I said, I'm, I'm going to use him to build around Marner, Matthews. Um, I'm going to use him to maybe try to find a real stud defenseman, um, you know, look at Ekholm in, in Edmonton. Imagine if Ekholm would have ended up in Toronto, what he could have done for that blue line. So mm -hmm. I just think Toronto has too many other needs and holes to, to continue to be so top heavy with the way that they offer contracts out. It didn't really work that well for Dubas. And I don't think, um, you know, they should continue down that path. So, uh, that's kind of my feeling on Nylander in particular. What about you? I mean, I, I know you're not a big cap-friendly guy. 
um, I'm always there. tell me, oh, you're you're the contract guy. You you like to get into this kind of thing. So where do you sit on this argument? Well, you've also signed an NHL contract. You have that experience. I never got the opportunity to do so, but I've I've been getting into cat friendly a little bit more recently. But as far as Nylander goes, I mean, the guy has proven that he's worth the contract, right? I, I wouldn't say it's an overpay. I mean, he had 34 goals two years ago, 40 goals last year. He's on that pace this year, probably more. I think he'll exceed 40 goals this year. Uh, you know, Nylander has become one of the best players in the league consistently now, I think, in the NHL. I think most people would agree with that. But as far as the Maple Leafs go, are they ever going to take a team-friendly deal, like a hometown discount kind of deal? Like, none of these guys are going to do that, right? At this point in their careers, like – they're all looking to kind of cash out on their contracts. I don't think, uh, you know, as much as players do care about winning, you know, the point we're getting at in these players' careers, like Matthews, Nylander, Marner, you know, Tavares even, they're all getting older, not getting any younger. So they're going to want their money. And uh, if they're not going to get it from Toronto, they'll probably go elsewhere where they feel like they deserve it. They know they're worth. But well, let me might not let me throw another. one thing. Let me throw one thing at you. And this isn't mm -hmm. completely apples to apples because a lot of signing a contract is about when you sign the contract. Mm -hmm. But David Pasternak makes eleven two five, which he signed what last year. So we're really only talking a year. You know, if if Nylander were to sign right now, um, it's only a year apart. But again, we now know what the cap's going to be next year, and then. Mm -hmm we have an idea of where it's going over the next number of years, but it's not like the Bruins didn't have that, you know, in mind when, when Pasternak was negotiating his deal. Now the Bruins have done a better job historically of getting players to buy into signing lower level deals because of Bergeron, because of Marshy that's starting to fade away because McAvoy took a big deal. Pasternak took a big deal. Um, that's going to end up kind of coming around eventually for the Bruins, but I'm not saying it, he's not worth $11 million. I think he is. I'm just saying I personally wouldn't do it because I watch Toronto and I see that they have so many other needs. And I just think it's irresponsible to have such a large number, you know, percentage, you know, given to three or four players. I really do. I mean, we've seen the history of this. Um, when you start giving too many guys 10 plus million dollar year deals, you start, you know, going downhill as a team. It happened to the Blackhawks when they paid Kane and Taves those big deals. They they never had a great run again. So um, I'm all for seeing the players get paid. I'm all for seeing big contracts. Hopefully within the next 10 years, we got $130, $140 million salary cap. Who knows? That's probably higher than it actually will be. Um, you know, I would love to see top end NHL players making $20 million a year. I would love to see that as mm -hmm. long as the cap allows for it. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, I have a feeling they are going to sign him to an eight-year extension. I really do. Um, but I just, I'm just saying, I certainly uh, wouldn't triple down with the same core that has just been largely unsuccessful um, in the playoffs. So, you know, there's other players that are watching this very closely, Johnny, to see what's going to happen. A guy like Gensel. Um, you know, a, a guy like Stamkos, then you've got Pedersen, who's a restricted free agency. So you kind of have to wonder, like, let's start with Steven Stamkos. Like, what do you think is in his future? Well, he's a little bit on the older side, so I don't think he'll be getting an eight-year deal. Uh, would Stamkos sign like a four-year deal somewhere? I, I don't think it's going to be in Tampa, right? I mean, I think most people would agree that he's probably on his way out of there, especially with the year they're having right now. Unless if, if he's can... willing to take a three or $6 million a year deal. Cause if he is, I'm like, keep him. But if yeah. he wants $10 million a year, you got to move on from him. 
um, as hard as that may be, but you, you got to start, you know, bringing in new, you know, an infusion of talent to play with Point and Kucherov and Hedman and Vasilevsky who are all in their primes. Yeah, and I think it, it doesn't get talked about enough. Steven Stamkos might be, the, he, he might have become the most underrated player in the NHL. I mean, this is a guy who scored a ton of goals throughout his career. You look back the last three seasons. I mean, 21-22, the guy had 106 points. Last year, he had 84. And this year, he's got 38 and 36. And I feel like people just completely overlook him every single season. And that's also what the people do with the Lightning as well, because Tampa Bay always has, you know, that maybe not so thrilling regular season, but they turn it on. You mentioned it earlier in the show that they are a team that can flip that switch and turn it on come playoff time. But Steven Samkos has had quite the incredible last five, six, even seven seasons in the NHL and doesn't get really talked about enough. Yeah, look, he scored a goal again last night. Um, It's really, I think, going to just depend on what he's willing to do and and does he want money or does he want to play somewhere new or does he want to stay at his big expansive pad in in South Florida and not pay state income tax, Um, keep that residence uh, and that uh, U.S. citizenship that he's probably earned at this point. Um, I think that's going to be a huge factor. So there's certainly some exciting names that we'll be keeping an eye on. Pedersen and Gensel, I met, I mentioned those guys, but uh, I think those guys are all going to get paid, which is always a good sign to see, uh, Johnny. But uh, another big event in the hockey world that happened yesterday that I think was music to a lot of people's ears and absolute poison to some others, and it's Canada <laughs> getting upset by Czechia in the world juniors in the dying seconds of the game, a fluky goal um, for Czechia late in that hockey game sees Canada become eliminated in the quarterfinals. Canada does not take lightly to this type of thing. Johnny Lass. Now we were talking about it yesterday that the world junior should be in Canada every year, but I think this year most people are happy that it's not if you're a Canadian hockey fan, because that'd be a pretty tough pill to swallow. And there probably wouldn't be any fans at any games for the remaining medal round games. Uh, Czechia pulled off a huge upset thanks to Michael Harabal, who's the UMass starting goalie this year. I got to give a shout out to him. He's been phenomenal. He's six foot seven in goal. Really strong kid, really tough kid to score on. And uh, he really stood on his head yesterday. He was the player of the game for Czechia. The second round, 38 overall pick to the Arizona Coyotes this past year's draft. And UMass's head coach, Greg Carvel, has said time and time again that he will be an NHL starter someday. Yeah. So keep your eye on Michael Harabal. Don't sleep on Czechia. I, I called one of their games for UMass earlier in the year against Providence, which was like two top 10 teams, and, and he was good. He looks the part. I mean, I'm not a goalie guy, but he certainly looked the part uh, in that hockey game. So uh, an exciting win for Czechia, an opportunity for them to get over the hump. I know people in Canada are, are licking their wounds a little bit. Don't worry, Canada. You'll be back next year. Yeah. Uh, World Juniors are coming back to your country. You guys will pack the buildings. You'll make a great atmosphere. Uh, we'll see if Macklin Celebrini returns and plays in another World Junior uh, for Team Canada. But a couple other results. Well, I was going to say that's probably the most disappointing part about the loss is that it, that could be it for Macklin Celebrini in the World Junior, right? Like, I think they, I think that's the the worst part about Canada being defeated. Yeah, you kind of see that every year though with these these Canadian studs who are you know able to jump right into the NHL and make an impact. So a couple other results. Uh, the U.S. cruised, um, convincing win seven to two over Latvia. Not a lot to talk about there. I think that was kind of a, a game that that was was you know supposed to be won and handled pretty easily by the U.S. Um, but then in the other game, the Sweden versus the Swiss game. Um, I want to start with this before we 
you know, briefly touch on the absolutely horrendous call that was made in that game. But I, I want to give a little bit of credit to Sweden, the country. Um, Chris Peters tweeted that between TV and streaming, around 2.8 million people watch Sweden's quarterfinal game domestically. That is roughly a quarter of the country, okay, was watching the World Junior game. And that doesn't count if it was on at a bar and there was 100 or 200 people at a bar. So it was probably even more than that. Imagine a quarter of the country tuning in to watch that game. So give Sweden a lot of props. Um, they've done a great job on their home games, packing the building, making a great atmosphere, um, and, and really coming out to support their team in the World Juniors. I know I've given Canada and their fans a lot of credit for what they do at World Juniors, but got to give credit where credit's due. But Johnny, this penalty late in this hockey game, I mean, ugh, like absolutely atrocious. They call Switzerland on a five-minute spearing penalty with less than two minutes to go in the game. You know, Sweden scores uh, in overtime on the power play. Holy shit. How do you make this call? This is an absolute disgrace. Disgrace. IIHF refs. You suck. You suck. <laughs> you suck. And you suck. Horrifying. Like, honestly, if I'm Switzerland, I'm beside myself today. Those referees can never go to the country of Switzerland because what a what an unbelievable appearance in the world juniors by the Swiss. Uh, they, they went tooth and nail with Sweden. They should have been able to, to slug that out five on five. Um, you know, in overtime or, or have a chance at least even strength in overtime, excuse me. I mean, come on, that, that was a joke. It's so much worse too, that it was against Sweden on their home turf. Like it just makes it seem so fixed. And I actually want to give credit to Mike Johnson on the broadcast. Him and Gord Miller, uh, did a pretty good job at, you know, complaining about it and calling it yeah, for what it Johnny's was. Johnny's great. I mean, he's a great analyst. He called it for what it was. And it was yeah, a it terrible was a call at a terrible point of the game. And it makes it so much worse that Sweden ends up scoring on that power play to win the game. Although, you know, you do got to give credit to actual Sandy and Palika, who's uh, a draft pick of the Detroit Red Wings in last year's draft. A great player, scored a big goal for Sweden. Sure, great. But the result of that call ending the game is pathetic. And you said it, and I don't want to just like, you know, reiterate what you just went on because I was a strong rant, obviously. Joke. But you feel bad for a team like Switzerland, too, a team that battled their asses off to compete in that game. They probably don't get enough credit uh, as, as they should in the World Junior, just nationally or, or internationally, excuse me, in hockey. And, uh, you know, they gave themselves a chance to win that game and for them to lose on a call like that. Uh, a five-minute spearing penalty when it's basically just a love tap. Um, oh, a joke. I've actually it's never seen spearing called when it's not to the nuts. It should that was have the been first time a two-minute penalty. Oh man, the IIHF needs to look at their rule book and realize that it's a it's a contact sport. It's a physical sport. It's a violent sport. I mean, it's a joke. I, I are you putting any blame on the player though that did it? No, it's, zero. It wasn't unnecessary no, play. No, zero, zero. Johnny, you're talking about the end of a metal, you know, a, a metal implication type of game. Uh, you're playing for your country. It's a disgrace, a disgrace. I mean, I give Mike Johnson credit on the TSN broadcast for for having, um, you know, restraint on what he really wanted to say. So I'm, I'm starting to honestly like sweat a little bit as we're talking about this because it's just so aggravating to see a referee make his mark at that point of a hockey game. So let's just let's just go on 
because I don't want to continue to drown on about it. A couple mm-hmm. of matchups tonight that we're watching. There's only two games. Devils Caps, Metro Division, Johnny. Important game, important points um, for both teams trying to claw their way back in to the playoffs. And then how about the Leafs and the Ducks? Probably going to see Dennis Hildeby's first NHL game in net for Toronto. Six foot seven goaltender will be the tallest goalie in the NHL if he gets the start. Make sure you look at uh, the dailyfaceoff.com. Excuse me, dailyfaceoff.com. They will have the lines updated sometime after morning skate. They do a great job with that, especially starting goaltenders. Um, I know you'll be watching those games. Well, I'll definitely be watching the Devils and the Caps. Caps on the second night of a back-to-back. And this is a really important game for both teams because they've both played 35 games. The Caps right now sit in that second wild-card spot with 42 points. The Devils are two points back of them with 40 points. So this is a four-point swing. If the Devils win, they tie the Caps in points. If the Capitals win, it just creates that much more separation. So Jack Hughes has been very outspoken about you know how important these games are right now, just in the, the back half of the season here coming up. Um, so I'm looking for the Devils to really pounce on Washington tonight after the Capitals near collapse last night in Pittsburgh. Um, and then, you know, to your point, it should be a really exciting game for Toronto, who is also on the second night of a back-to-back, and Anaheim, who's been a little bit of a trap weird team game. this year. A little bit of a trap game. A little bit of a trap game. Anaheim's been a very odd team this year, though. Uh, not not sure what to make of them because they had that really strong start and then had a total 12-13 game hiatus. You think they're they're just like a dog shit team? Listen, they're in a rebuild. I mean, they're yeah. bad. That's what they're supposed to be. I'm not going to sugarcoat it like you because I don't see the world with sunshine and rainbows. They're just a bad team right now. They're in a rebuild. You're just keeping a grudge with Frank Petrano. What are you talking about? We'll get to that. We'll get to that another time. Oh, God. <laughs> you're, you're a broken record. End uh, the show, Johnny. You suck. One of my... One of my favorite things, but yeah, only only two hockey games tonight. Well, now we're gonna have to we're gonna have to bring that up next show because you can't just throw that out in the eleventh hour and then not address it. So we'll we'll start with that tomorrow, <laughs> Johnny. We, now the the cat's out of the bag. Okay, here we go. Yes. Yeah, well, if the Ducks win tonight, should we try to get Frank on tomorrow? It's See pretty early out west, so we won't That's bother true. him. But we'll touch on it tomorrow show. Okay. Well, thank you everybody for listening. I uh, hope you had a fun time, and we'll talk to you at nine a.m tomorrow. Enjoy your Wednesday.